0: Hey, everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino, and I'm back with another edition of Survivor Burning Question. And I really appreciate all of the amazing feedback that I've gotten about this series. It's been really, really fun for me to go and get into the weeds talking some Survivor with you every week. And so I think this is going to be a really fun one today after this week's episode, because this week on Survivor, we saw Matt go from a pretty comfortable position in the game to being voted out in the latest version of the Split Tribe twist. Now, Matt clearly had not played a perfect game, but the Survivor gods threw him a curveball and placed him in a very bad spot. Matt and Brandon had a conversation in this episode that I feel like really captures the essence of Survivor. Matt talked about his situation with Brandon and Jamie. You wanna believe that the person who's like the best at Survivor, like does the best? And that's not always true. Now, while I think Matt makes a really interesting observation about the nature of the game, maybe this wasn't the ideal audience for this conversation because it kind of implies that he's playing the best and the people that are going to advance, specifically the people he's talking to, are not playing the best. But Brandon says something that I think is super interesting to discuss. I kind of disagree with that because I feel like Yes, in a way, like, you can get screwed, but there's also, there's a way out of every situation. Yeah, And this is something that has been debated for years on reality TV. Big Brother legend Dan Giesling, who once turned a very bleak situation around with Dan's funeral, has said, there's always a way out. I asked Matt about this during my exit interview if he thought Brandon was right or wrong. Um, You like to think that, you know the best player always wins and you know you'd like to think that yeah it's always in your hands but the truth of it is it's I I don't think that's true um like I really I mean I'm not bitter I don't want to come across as bitter or like upset but I really every other permutation of those rocks I think I do better like I'm in a fine position um like it was just that specific possibility, that one universe where I am like screwed and there's kind of nothing I can do. The entire history of Survivor is littered with players that have been screwed by questionable twists and unfortunate tribe swaps. In fact, there's so many, I don't think that we can get to all of their situations in just one video. That's why I want to take a look in particular at this situation that Matt and Jam Jam were thrown into because it's become a staple of Survivor's new era, the tribe split. Now, while I am certainly sympathetic to Matt's situation, the fact of the situation is that both Matt and Jam Jam were thrown into a very bad situation where they were both exceedingly vulnerable. And while both players were thrust into a bad spot, one was ensured to emerge from the abyss and continue on in the game. So it cannot be a no-win situation for two players. Thus, there must have been a way out and Jam Jam was the one who found it. So for all the future players, let's spend some time thinking about the ways that you can come out of a bleak situation such as this, just like Jam Jam did as we talk about my 10 tricks to survive the tribe split. Over the last few years, we've seen a version of a tribe split twist show up in Ghost Island, Island of the Idols, seasons 41, 42, 43, and now 44. However, the first instances of this twist go back to a much earlier era while often overlooked, the first time a version of this twist took place at the final 10 was back in Survivor Fiji, exactly 30 seasons ago. The final 10 had finally merged. And on day 24, instead of individual immunity, the group was split into two tribes of five. The winning tribe, one reward, the losing tribe would go to tribal. Sound familiar? After the challenge was over, Jeff read a note. I'll now read the note. You will not be going back to camp. There will be no time to strategize. We're heading to tribal council right now. Now, I don't know why Jeff needs to get a note to announce to the players what's going to happen to them instead of just telling them, but it was a simpler time, okay? It was the old era. The five players that lost the challenge, they were going to go right to tribal without any time to talk. That group who was going to the first split tribe tribal council was going to be Alex, Stacy, Mookie, Dreams, and Michelle Yi. And while Dreams was somebody with the four horsemen we're working with, he was somebody that didn't always stick to one particular plan. Muki and Michelle, both from the original Ravu, they were going to vote for Stacy. And Alex and Stacy, they were going to be voting together from the original moto. They were going to be voting for Michelle. Now, Mookie, he presumed his friend Dreams was sticking to their earlier plan to vote out Stacey. But Michelle Yi made a comment at Tribal Council that Dreams didn't love when Jeff asked her about why would you vote for Dreams? Me and Dreams haven't really talked much about strategy, so I can't really say who he's in an alliance with. It's a fear of the unknown. Now, it wasn't much, but it was enough to give Dreams something to think about. In addition... Alex Angarita did a really good job of leading the witness to signal that he was voting for Michelle, which Dreams picks up on before he goes to the voting booth and casts the deciding vote against Michelle. When Dreams gets asked about this in the next episode, he explains. When she says in the tribal council, I don't know Dre, uh, I never hung around him. It kind of let me know that, wait a minute, I don't know her neither. I don't know what a line she in. So it kind of scared me a little bit. So what do we take away from this very first instance of the tribe split? Number one, suck up to the swing vote. Suck kneecaps as much as possible with the swing votes, especially players that can be a little impulsive like Dreams. Remember, you're not under oath at tribal council. And number two, keep your people on the same page. Alex was abundantly clear to his people about where the votes were going. This was the dawn of the immunity idol era, and it was certainly easier to get your people on the same page. But Alex clearly signaled to Dreams, this is what the plan is. This is where our votes are going. Now, the second time that this happens in Survivor history. and You might debate me on whether or not this is officially a tribe split, but we're going to go and stay in the old school era. And it's technically a tribe swap, but it feels very similar to the split tribe twist. Let's go to Survivor Gabon at the final 10. And Coda and Fong were thinking merge. All 10 players show up For what they believed is the merge feast, they start digging in. There's even a hidden immunity idol that's stashed in the spread of food. And in another parallel to this week's survivor, the feasting survivors saw a note that said, read after you finish eating. But in this instance, the 10 players left in the game weren't merged. They actually swapped to new tribes for the second time in the game. And while it's technically not a tribe switch, it essentially functioned in the same way there was a majority of CODA tribe members on each of the groups of five. Randy, Corinne, and Charlie even have ideas about throwing the challenge so they can vote out Maddie. However, that plan doesn't work out because the immunity challenge, stop me if you heard this before, it's an individual endurance challenge where the last person standing wins immunity in the group, which according to Paramount Plus did happen. Not only did you win individual immunity for yourself, you won group immunity. Never happened So over at New Coda, Marcus is looking like a big favorite to win the game. And he's got Bob and Susie working with him to take out OG Fong members, Kenny and Crystal. However, Marcus, he has a sweet spot for Crystal. He is somehow amazingly close friends with a cousin of Crystal's. He's not going to write down her name at tribal council. He tells her that the vote is going to be for Kenny. Crystal, she doesn't love this, doesn't also seem to care about her cousin's friend, she wants to vote out Marcus. Now, the weak link here was Susie, who Marcus could never quite reassure that she was part of his plans to go to the final three, which is really all she ever wanted. For Marcus, he went from the best position in the game to the first member of the jury. And for us, we got the greatest internet meme of all time. Corinne is horrified, Sugar is shocked, and Maddie grins ear to ear. So let's add to our list. Number three, don't reveal your target. If you're in the majority, no need to telegraph to the people on the bottom which person you're voting for. If the bottom players don't know, it makes it harder for them to mount the resistance. And number four, like someone once said in the Big Brother house, you can bounce checks like in the big brother house. In addition to kissing up to the swing votes, promise them what they want. Yeah, Susie. I can't wait to go to the final three. All right, let's fast forward a bunch and get to survivor ghost Island. All right. We're not quite in the new era, but we're at least in the modern era and it's fitting that it's a season all about reversing the curse of survivors past advantages that we're bringing back the tribe split twist in season 36. It's the final 10, and the tribe is divided into two random groups. And we have in the undercard of the two groups, one of the least exciting tribals with an idol play, maybe of all time, you've got the great Donathan Seabass, Jenna, Angela, and immunity winner Purple Chelsea. All of our main characters are at the other tribal council, and Jeff definitely is feeling it. Wow, this may be the fewest questions I've ever asked at a tribal council. Donathan is going to play an idol on himself rather than to save Jenna, who ends up going home. Donathan could have used the idol to protect his friend, but we're not going to fault people who play their idol in that spot. More on this to come. The more memorable situation from Ghost Island comes from the tribal council with Wendell, Dom, Kellen, Laurel, And one-time survivor phenom, Michael Yerger. Now, Michael Yerger had been a big target all throughout the early merge. He had a good run in challenges and was finding idols. So the power players were concerned about him. And in this season, the tribes both went back to the same beach after they were split. So all 10 players got to talk to everybody. Michael, he tries to get Donathan to borrow the idol and show people that he had something, but Donathan doesn't want to do it. So Michael just starts bluffing that he has an idol. I have an idol and I'm playing it regardless. I'm not going home tonight. Holy cow. He has an idol. I'm like, God darn it. Now going back to my fake idol burning question, we established the best use of a fake idol is to make people think you have an idol when you don't have one. His past reputation of finding the idol has Kellen worried. And she's dead set on coming up with a backup plan. Despite some reassurances from Dom in particular, They're convinced, the guys, that Michael is bluffing. Dom is a master poker player. He knows that in a potential four-on-one situation, it's probably unlikely that a player with an idol is going to reveal this information in that way. But Kellen wants to lock down a backup plan to take out Laurel. And Wendell makes one of his most underrated moves in Ghost Island. When Kellen tells Wendell she wants to vote for Laurel, he doesn't push back. Instead, he goes to Laurel and tells her that she should be voting for Kellen. Now, Wendell's preferred outcome at this tribal is that Michael is the one to go home, but he also gets a lot more out of this tribal council. What he doesn't know is that Kellen has an extra vote, which she is going to play here to put two votes on Laurel. For Kellen, I'm not going to fault any player for using their advantages to get through the split tribe twist in a video called 10 Tricks to Survive the Split Tribe Twist. However, For Wendell, this tribal council ends up being an embarrassment of riches for him in that Michael Yerger goes home, Kellen burns an advantage that wasn't on his radar that could have been used against him in the endgame, and most importantly, he ends up cutting off ties between Laurel and Kellen, who don't realize at this point they actually need to work together if they're going to stand in the way of Dominic and Wendell. Ultimately, Dom and Wendell, they vote for Michael, Michael votes for Wendell. Laurel voted for Kellen, and Kellen put two votes on Laurel. In the end, there's a tie vote, and Michael Yerger goes home. But if Kellen had the foresight, she could have put her two votes on Wendell that night and completely changed the game. All right, let's add to our takeaways. Don't get spooked by an idol bluff. People with real idols are just going to play them and not announce to you that they are going to play them. If they're telling you they're playing an idol tonight, they probably don't have a real idol. And also, like Wendell did, create a circular firing squad. If you get some of the other people voting for each other, it ensures that they're not voting for you. And even a tight two can control a group of five. And finally, from this tribal council, big targets are up for grabs. It was the final 10. Michael Yerger had almost no allies in the game. There was never going to be a better time to get Dom or Wendell. Kellen was right to play her advantage in that round, but she was thinking more defensively instead of taking out one of the top players, just like we saw happen to Dr. Marcus in Gabon. Three seasons later, we would split tribes again in season 39, this time at the final 11, just like we did this week. The tribes got divided into two random groups once again, with each group competing for individual immunity this season survivor even added the pb&j reward to the tribe that had the player go the longest a fact that was seemingly lost on nora winner of her group of 5 Oh, no, no, and no, no, no. Before giving Nora. up her shot at winning anything for Purple. Stupid. In the first tribal council that night, it was kind of an open and shut case with Aaron, who was a major challenge threat. He got voted out five to one. However, the second tribal council ends up being a lot more interesting. You had Missy Bird and Elizabeth Beisel. They see a big target in Tommy being ripe for the picking. He separated from his key ally, Lauren and they could use this opportunity to take out a player that they see as a potential winner of the season. Clearly, they had been spoiled. They're going to get Karishma to be their third vote against Tommy and Elaine, who is immune. Missy, like Dr. Marcus, is having some problems locking down this swing vote. Things don't go so great, after Missy tells Karishma the plan to vote out Tommy. Missy was talking at me, not talking with me. She was a bully to me. I'm not taking that anymore. Uh, Karishma, you want to talk? The answer is no. Now, it's really Elaine who's the one who sees this opening, and she finds out from Karishma what Missy's plan is. Elaine, she's immune, and she knows that she's safe, and she tells Tommy that he's not. Listen, baby, I am not voting you. I swear, I'm voting for Missy and Karishma is voting Missy. Elizabeth isn't, though. Now, Missy does put in some work to try to get Karishma back on her side, and Karishma is ultimately considering the move. But over the course of this game, there's just too much baggage for Karishma and Missy to be working together. Elaine and Tommy, they make a compelling pitch to keep Karishma, the swing vote feeling good about working with them, and standing up to Missy. And ultimately, Karishma votes with Tommy and Elaine, and it's Missy who's the one who gets voted out. Yo, who did it? Wow. Came after me. I didn't come after you. At this tribal council, Tommy survives his one and only brush with death in all of season 39. In these last two instances, the split twist turned out to be the only times that the winner of the season, Wendell and Tommy, could have been taken out by the competition. For Missy and Elizabeth, a reminder not to take the swing vote for granted. And for all players, a reminder that the tribe switch is a golden opportunity to dethrone a future king or queen of Survivor. So it's the new era. And the tribe switch goes from being a sporadic twist to something that's now baked into the show. Since what? In season 41, at the final 10, Tiffany had just been voted out of the tribe and Dr. Evie Jagoda is clearly public enemy number one. While they're at the bottom, that there is some room for optimism after a tribal council spat between Deshaun and Shan. But for Evie, that hope fades when Jeff reveals the split tribe twist and they are going to be thrown into a random grouping with Danny, Deshaun, Liana, and Xander. Xander and Liana were both former members of the Yasa tribe, but both had officially defected, mostly due to differences with each other. For Evie, things are further complicated that Xander is the winner of individual immunity in that spot, not to mention the coveted reward of stew by the way jeff you undersold the <laughs> yeah. hell oh, out of yeah. it. i mean it's fine but it's stew Good, hearty potatoes warm broth and carrots and onions and that was all right insane. we get it the stew is great we undersold the stew all right but for evie in this spot things are not looking great not a ton of options here for evie Evie is going to try to get Danny and Deshawn to flip on Liana, but they are not biting. Now, I was texting with Evie about their situation. And an interesting thing they said is that it is very hard to get players to agree with working you in that spot because people are afraid of making a big move without checking with their allies who might be on the other tribe. Evie felt like this twist actually can hurt the fluidity of the game in this spot. And I think it's an interesting point. Ultimately, Xander has an idol and an extra vote, but with individual immunity, he's not super committed to trying to help Evi get through this round. At the other tribal council in season 41, this is where we get more in terms of future lessons. The other group ends up being Erica, who has immunity, Heather, Ricard, Shan, and Nasir. You have two pairs in Heather and Erica, and then also Ricard and Shan, with Nasir being a swing boat who's aligned with Ricard and Shan. Nasir. He has a known idol from the wacky phrase twist from season 41. Shan has an idol too, and is the holder of the extra vote from JD. For Shan and Ricard, it was too big of an opportunity to not take a shot at Nasir. Now with Erica immune, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that the vote would be for Heather. Heather is even playing up how she's going to be the one to go home. I hope an idol falls from the sky. However, she doesn't play her shot in the dark which should have been a big red flashing light to Nasir that something was off at Tribal. What does get played is an extra vote by Shan to execute a 3-3 split between Nasir and Heather in this group of five. And this was to protect them in case Nasir did play that idol. Ultimately, he doesn't, and Nasir goes home with an idol in his pocket. The takeaway here, don't be stingy With your idols or advantages, especially in the new era, idols and advantages are practically a dime a dozen. They're giving them away left and right. If you have something that can save you and anything feels off, better to be safe than sorry. And also, we learn, pay attention to an obvious target. Heather seemed to have given up, but she didn't use her shot in the dark. I can try and give Nasir a pass since it's the first season with shot in the dark, but if a player is obviously going home and isn't fighting tooth and nail to stay, maybe they know that they might not be going home. In season 42, we had another tribe split at the final 10, which resulted in the five men being all on one tribe right after Roxroy wanted to start an all-men's alliance. Great, except somebody has to go home. Roxroy, Mike, High, Omer, and Romeo were headed that first Tribal Council, Romeo, who was actually not part of Roxroy's all-men's alliance, had been at the bottom all through the merge and was not in a great position. But Omer and High, they weren't really loving the all-men's alliance that Roxroy was pitching. High told Mike about wanting to make a move against Roxroy. But to speak to Evie's thoughts, Mike is hesitant. He doesn't want to make a big move against Roxroy without talking to Drea and Jonathan about it. Now, Mike, he's going to reluctantly get on board, but his relationship with High is further strained because he feels pressured to make this move. Roxroy, he feels pretty safe that Romeo is going, but unlike Nasir, he doesn't have any advantages to play, even when Romeo doesn't play his shot in the dark. Season 42's other tribe split tribal council is much more unique. You had Drea, who is a big target that Jonathan wanted to go after during this split vote. Jonathan, he won immunity and he's in a group with Drea, Marianne, Lindsay, and Tori. Now, what this group didn't know is that Roxroy was just about to become the second black player in a row voted out to kick off the merge for Drea. She walks in and everything changes when she sees that Roxroy is now sitting next to Chanel in the jury for her. The game subsides, and she says, I'm playing my idol. Drea has several advantages and did the right thing for many reasons to play her idol that night. Now, this situation is complex because there are some players who are playing the game of Survivor and thinking about vote splits and advantages. But for Marianne and Drea, this tribal council meant a lot more. Marianne, she says that she is not going to participate in splitting votes against Drea, And she's going to play her own idol at this tribal council to ensure her own safety and to make a statement. Ultimately, the players never really have a vote at this tribal, but Tori still plays the shot in the dark. It doesn't hit, and Tori goes home. In season 43, we'll do the tribe split again at the final 10. And as we've come to see, we're going to get one very interesting tribal and another ho-hum affair. The ho-hum vote is a decision between Jesse and Cody about whether to vote out Ryan or Cassidy. The biggest ramification from this vote doesn't really become part of the story until the final tribal council when there's a debate about whether it was Gabler or Cassidy who got Ryan out. However, at the other tribal council, there was big drama between Owen and James over whether or not Owen had been lying about the previous vote to take out Janine. Their argument gets so intense, it cannot even be solved by Noel offering a papaya. A papaya. What? Now, what is it about papayas and these split tribal councils? May I offer you a papaya in this trying time? Yeah. The beef between James and Owen, while very real, also provided ample cover for Noel to use her vote steal. Noel sells James on a story that they're going to steal Owen's vote and use it against Owen. In reality, she's going to steal Owen's vote and use it to vote against James to prevent James from suspecting something is off and using his knowledge's power. But for James, the other players saw a perfect big target to go after in this spot. Noelle, she steals Owen's vote and uses it to take the godfather out of the game. For James, like Nasir, He leaves a split tribal with an advantage in his pocket that he could have used to help him. And that brings us back to this week in Survivor 44. We've spent so much time this week talking about how unlucky Matt has been. We may have overlooked how well Jam Jam played his equally difficult situation. Jam Jam knew immediately that he was in trouble because he's been in trouble for the last few weeks. You know, it's probably very disorienting for a player to go from seemingly safe to unsafe, like Matt. But for Jam Jam, scrambling has been business as usual. Matt got to the old Soka Beach and went to work on his game plan. And he explained it in the episode. Game plan number one was to flip one of the Ratu. But they all seem like they're pretty tight. He's going to try on Brandon and Jamie to see if there's any way they want to flip on Lauren, I mean, that was the Danny plan that Danny wanted to execute back on the beach. Brandon and Jamie are not interested. So we go to game plan number two. So game plan number two, self-preservation mode. I really don't want to go. And I really want to work with you all um, to make that happen. And game plan number two is about self-preservation. And he's going to try to pitch himself to Brandon, who did vote for Jam Jam at the last tribal council that he'd be a great person to work with. Matt, he says he'll vote for Jam Jam, but he's resigned because he loves Jam Jam. Meanwhile, Jam Jam is not conflicted. He's going to work. He's gone to Lauren and he's throwing Danny under the bus hard about Danny's idea to vote against Lauren. And guess who was on a tribe with Danny? It's Matt. I heard like Danny wants you out because you have an extra vote. I don't know if Matt or Danny are working together, because nobody ever tells that to me. Right. Jam Jam is well aware of the situation that he's in, and that it's probably him or Matt. And he is ready to do whatever it takes. How big you want me to write Matt down on that parchment paper? I'll write it like on big, big letters. We also see Jam Jam talk to Matt about the idea of working together. Maybe this was genuine. But I love that he's keeping his options open. It also serves Jam Jam in keeping Matt from going fully after Jam Jam at any point. And at Tribal, Jam Jam's amazing social game is on display as he charms the pants off of everybody. He's complimentary about Matt. He's complimentary about Ratu. He's hyping up the players that aren't even voting at this Tribal Council. And he oozes so much authenticity He's working his magic. I can be a badass, you know? I'm a teddy bear, but I can be a badass, and that's freaking awesome. This is like a Day 26 speech, more so than a speech at a Day 14 tribal council. Jam Jam was incredible this week. So for my 10th and final takeaway from the split vote, it's rat the other target out. If it's between you and one other person, it's probably easier to get the target on the other person than it's going to be to swing somebody over who's safe. All week long, I've been coming back to that question that Matt and Brandon debated. In every survivor situation, is there always a way out? In this case, for players like Matt, there clearly was more that he could have done to reveal Danny's plans to Lauren, disparage Jam Jam, or even... He could have gotten saved by Heidi's advantage. In the case of players like Evie, though, I think the answer might be no. There isn't always a way out. And while we're not a tribal council, I think the ultimate answer to Matt and Brandon's debate might be best answered with an analogy. Survivor is like being in a maze. You can make all the best decisions you can in the moment to get out of every single tough situation But sometimes, you have to realize that it was actually a wrong turn. You made several moves ago. That's ultimately the reason that you just hit a dead end. But don't get me started talking about mazes. Rob, wandering aimlessly. Thank you so much for joining me for another edition of The Burning Question. I love to get your feedback on these videos, uh, whether you agree with me or not. I had a great podcast this week with Dr. Christian Hubicki, which you can also see on our YouTube channel. Thank you so much for checking this out. Please make sure you're subscribed to all of our content for RHAP, and I will see you next time.